So you might have seen me and Dave chatting before the service, and because it's going on YouTube, he said to me, Pete, you've got to say that what you say is nothing to do with community church. It's all your own thoughts and words. I don't know how many speakers he says that to, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm only joking. I mean, it is true, but Dave didn't say that. He's our main fields. So we are going to be looking at James. I absolutely love James. It is a wicked book. It is really challenging, and I love it. It's also massive. Um, and so, good luck. Uh, we're going to look at James 1, which is a summary of the book. We're going to not go too deep. We're going to just throw out some stuff. But if something comes up in your mind, write that as a question. The q and I think, is where um, the good stuff will properly happen. Um, so just a bit of introduction on James. So James was the brother of Jesus. Um, and so I think that James got so exposed to Jesus' teachings again and again and again. Imagine having dinner with Jesus, having your social time with Jesus. Like, he was immersed in Jesus' teaching and how he views the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of James is quite linked to the Sermon on the Mount. There's quite a lot of, um, there's quite a lot of overlap. And I think that's just a, a reflection of that. He's also writing to the Jewish Christians, who it's one of the earliest books in the New Testament. It's when the Jewish Christians have really facing heavy persecution and they're all scattering. And James is a, a leader within the church in Jerusalem and he writes to them, uh, trying to encourage them and also just trying to challenge them about their lives in a new place. I'm going to read most of James 1. Um, so, yeah, follow on as you wish. Uh, so, from verse 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honoured them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Just going to skip down to verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, 
you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. doesn't hold back, does it? And there's quite a lot there. The other thing I just wanted to say about the background of James is that it is written to people who are, um, by their nature and their heritage, understanding and and get the scriptures. They get the story of God. They've got an understanding that God is good. The story of the Old Testament, that God wants to build relationship with Israel. They've got that. So, um, the fact that I'm here, this metaphor and the night that it is might only resonate with Abby and the Grovers. So I'm from Birmingham. Um, Birmingham is a football city. When you go to school, it was a sexist city too, so it was the boys. But on Monday and Tuesday, you would discuss the weekend football. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you would discuss the weekend football. My first experience of worship was Villa Park. Everyone singing, everyone absolutely giving it all, tops off, you know, absolutely all in for what is on that pitch. I then went to church and saw one guy who I recognised from the football singing at church like he sounded at football. I thought, that guy, that's it. He's got it. He's worshipping. And the culture of, of you know, I'm, I wasn't a Villa fan. I was a Liverpool fan, incognito at the Villa, watching, the, watching Liverpool, which was a dangerous place to be. Um, but I was all in. I had away kit, home kit, goalkeeper's kit, socks, shin pads, all Liverpool. I wrote off, like, you know, there's fancy, this church has a fancy football team, doesn't it? And you put it on the internet. And I wrote off to a newspaper with mine, with my two pounds in the envelope, send it off to get on the, the listings in the paper, all the shoot magazines, room covered in Liverpool stuff. I moved to Bristol and couldn't believe it. No one cared. Absolutely no one gave the monkeys. Um, I don't know why millionaires kicking a leather air sack around a field doesn't float your boat, but no one cared. And over probably about four or five years, my joy and passion of a Liverpool fan dwindled. Now, I know about Liverpool still. I can tell you the game yesterday. I can tell you who scored. I can probably tell you near the minutes where they scored. I can tell you that, you know, Alexander's deflected shot into the corner. You know, Salah got the penalty and then Nunes with a little flick in. And I can tell you all of that because I check it because I have a connection and I know it, and I, every, every blooming week I have to look and see the Liverpool score. I don't feel it. I don't live it anymore. I'm not part of a community. I have no passion, and it's a pain. I wish that I could disconnect myself from it, because it means nothing. It's worthless. It's not, it doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't bring me life. It's gone. It's just this, this passion that I had for being part of a community is now a head knowledge that gives me you know, an activity to do. And I think that James was worried about that for these guys. He knew that Jerusalem had a great football team. No, he knew that um, you know, they were part of a community passionately following God, so passionately that they were at risk of persecution. They were the ones fleeing because if they stayed, they'd have had a hard time. So they were living it. And he was worried that when they move, they change their circumstances, they lose the connections and the close community, that they shelve it. And that's not... That's not it. Once we shelve our Christian faith, and we know it, but we're not in it, living it passionately, we've lost it. We don't know who we are anymore. We look in the mirror, and that's the metaphor. We look in the mirror, and we don't 
recognize who we see because we're going through emotion that gives us uh, you know nothing and no value there's more there's a lot more of a challenge but the other the other metaphor um, that I, I want to talk about is this bear with me just one second I forgot my prop but found one outside I was going to bring one. I was going to bring one on my bike. I'm quite glad I forgot. So, it's a bramble. And, um, yeah. The, there's a story in the Bible about the this, this farmer sowing seed. And he sows the seed. And it goes, some of it goes away, whatever. But it goes into the thorns. And the seed does well. becomes good plants. But the thorns grow. And they squish it, i forgotten what the word is, but you know, suffocate it, chew it, choke it, stop it producing its flower and its fruit. And James is saying here, um, refusing the corruption of the world. And I think our culture is a thorn patch. And we are sown into a thorn patch. And we might have become, you know, plants, but actually, are we going to bear fruit? And I think James is really hitting us hard here to say, actually, if we're amongst a thorn patch, there are two things that we need to do to manage that. One is to get rid of the bad stuff. If you chop a bramble, it can grow like a foot a day or something like that. So it'll come back. Um, but it gives you light. It gives you, you know, light so new plants can grow up. What you've got to do is get them out of the root. Getting a bramble out of the root is hard work and it's painful. You get all sorts of spikes and things. I did getting that from just there. The other thing you've got to do as well as getting out all the rubbish is you have to look after the stuff you want to keep. Each of you, each of us is made in the image of God with a wonderful gift and a fruit to give and to share. And that is within all of us. We've got to look after it. We've got to nurture it. We can't expect that it's just going to happen, even though it's in amongst a bramble patch. We've got to get rid of the rubbish. We've got to look after the good stuff. And then... That's when God will do some stuff. Well, he's going to do stuff anyway, and he's helping us with it. But the the challenge is that faith in itself, real faith is an active one. It is action. And it is in that action that Jesus uh, comes close to us particularly. Um, So, I can't remember. There's no point looking at my plan now, is it really? I'm done. But um, we'll close that. The challenge, I think the challenge for us is what is your bramble? What is going to choke you? And what is your gift? What is your, you know, if you're looking after the garden of your life, you want to live a godly life, what is it that you want to shine through? What are you going to look after? What are you going to invest in? When it's, you know, 40 degrees outside, what are you going to water? Which bit of the garden are you going to say, that is what I've got to keep doing to make this flourish? Um, I'm going to stop there with a prayer, I think. Um, Lord God, we, um, we come before you that we are all, um, we're all human. Um, Lord, our hearts are powerful. And where we invest our treasure, where we invest our love, our energy, um, has the power to consume our lives. 
And Lord, we come here tonight because we want you to be what consumes our lives. We want to put you first. We want to stand before you with an unwavering heart, knowing that if you call us, we will go, knowing that we will set aside the, uh, the achievement of a rich person, the things that we treasure so much to look good. We'll set that aside to follow you, to be all in, to ask for your presence and a life full of faith in you. Lord, we need your help as a community, as a group. We need your help and your blessing. I ask that you be with us. I ask that you guide us in that, Lord. Yeah, amen.